Good afternoon, everybody. John Bernstrom here. I'm the public information officer for the city of Grand Forks, and welcome to episode one of City Chatter, an opportunity for those of you watching and listening to hear from our city council members, and we're going to be doing these on the weeks of city council meetings to get an idea of the work that is being done, and we'll also have some conversations, get to know our city council members as well. Our guest on this first episode is from Ward 1 City Council, Danny Weigel. Danny, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for allowing me to be the guinea pig for episode one. Yeah, I, I was chasing a lot of a lot of you guys around, and nobody wanted to be first, so I, I appreciate that. <laughs> we'll, we'll try it out, see where it goes, and yeah. it should be fun. So you've been on council now, you're on turn two, correct? I am. I think this is year... Jeez. Yeah, I'm going to put you on count. the spot. I think it's... Uh... I think I'm going on year six. So, so Ward 1 encompasses the northwest corner of Grand Forks. Um, you have majority of the university in your ward. Not all of it, but a majority of it. Um, uh, and one thing we're going to get to uh, here on a couple of things, some of the news that's been going on in the city is going to be is Ward 1 news. So we'll get right into it. The, on Monday, we had the U.S. Department of Transportation give the city a $30 million check. I mean, we don't have the check yet, but um, to do that over underpass at, at 42nd, the railroad crossing there, that's, that's right in your backyard. That's a big one. It is, and that, that's something that I grew up on the north end of Grand Forks. I've, I've always tell people I've never lived on the south end of Grand Forks. I've always lived on the north end, north of Demers. And so for me, um, I've been impacted by that uh, intersection for my entire life, I feel like. And so for us to be able to have that opportunity to finally move that project forward. That's something I've been talking about on the city council for since I, since I started one, it's just a huge uh, safety concern. Um, I remember being at the park one day and seeing a fire truck go by having to dodge the train at university or Demers and 42nd street, trying to make it over to 55th street so that it can come North um, to get to an area of that neighborhood. And so really we have one, one fire department, one fire station that's North of Demers Avenue right now. And so for us, it's it's important for Ward 1 for the safety and um, same thing with the ambulances. You know, Altru Hospital, which is great. They do a great job, but they're located south of Demers. And sure, they have the Columbia Road overpass, but sometimes it is quicker to shoot down Demers Avenue um, to get where you need to go, whether it's avoiding something that's going on on campus yeah. um, and everything else with all the pedestrians and everything going on through there. So it's great news. It's good that we... Um, have gotten to this point. I'm glad that the other city council members joined with me to push this forward and making this our number one priority and, and the, the city staff and the mayor and everybody else, they've done a great job getting to this point. So to give some history, I've been working with the, uh, the Grand Forks legislative uh, committee for, see, I've been with the city for 17 years, so probably 15 of those years. Um, and I mean, we go back, it, it's, it is something that was, it was always on a list, but no one had an idea how to fund it. It, at one point, the feds said no, the state said no, so it was a total city cost, and it was at $60 million or whatever it was. It was just it was a number that was hard to ascertain. The state then came in and said, oh, we may have some programs. So one thing that's really changed is the state has developed some programs, their last legislative session, that can help pay for some of that. We've, we got some money from there. And at the federal level, they developed a, a program, too, to help pay for it, and all of a sudden, here we are. Beyond that $30 million, we also got seven point five from Federal Highway to go towards that project. So all of a sudden that $60 million tab that we had to cover is now, is now down to 
nearly 20, and, and we, we have a number we can start working with with the, with the legislature. Yes, to your point, you uh, talked about on our, on our infrastructure list, let's just put one or two things. And we've done that the past couple, the past couple of sessions, and, it, and we're starting to see movement on them. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. I think when you look at, obviously, the city of Grand Forks has needs. Um, I just think it loses so much when you go to them with four or five different projects to me, it's, it would say, what are you really focusing on? Which one sure. do you really want? And so I think when you take a unified approach and say, hey, this is the project we're focusing on. This is the project we want to get done. And you can tell them that. And it's the project that's the farthest along in any of the other the details, the planning, and everything else that we've done among those four projects. It's the farthest along. I think it means something. It shows that the state, it shows the federal government that, hey, we've been doing our work. Um, to get this across the finish line, this is what we've done. So let's let's focus on this. Let's get it done and let's move on. And, and then we can focus on another project. And uh, we need to give a shout out to the city council from 1994. Was it? They they bought a couple a couple of pieces of land there, right on the corner of uh, Demers and 42nd. Uh, they maybe caught a little hell back then of why are you buying this land? Well, here we are. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's important, right? I, I think we see it a lot with. Um, we see a lot of planning that happens really early on, but you never see the effect of that planning right. yeah. until 10, 15, 20 years later. And so uh, kudos to city staff that thought about that, the city council that thought about that back then, yep. um, because it means something and it's going to make the process a little bit easier now. A lot easier. Um, so that was on Monday. And you know, and part of that, we haven't really touched on it, is the, the Transportation Secretary, uh, Pete Buttigieg, actually came to Grand Forks to make that announcement um, that... Whenever there's a federal official in town, everyone uh, tends to pay attention a little bit more. Um, it is interesting working with the feds. Um, there's always that level of security you have to work with. And it was, it was no big deal, but it was, it was just, I was, all right, we have our plan. And they're like, well, until security approves it, we don't have a plan. <laughs> so, no, that, but that's how it goes with all of them. It's, uh, you never know how much planning truly goes into a lot of these events until you're sitting at the table like, right. you, like you have been for probably the last couple of them. There's so much details so much right things you have to figure out that until you get it done um, you don't realize truly how much goes into that and it was interesting i was talking with the the secretary's people and i I mentioning security and they go well we have private security at least it's not secret service because they're crazy (laughs) secret service they they there's no joke for everything yep Um, i remember being around when uh, vice president mike pence visited sure you know and there's a ton that goes into that and um, for good reason, right? Um, yeah. They're the leaders of our country, so you need to make sure that they're safe. Exactly. So also on Monday at the city council meeting, there was there was two projects that uh, you guys as a city council are moving forward. Now, it's not like you're cutting them permits and letting them dig a hole yet. It's just it's just a, a tax incentive thing. Now, understand, both of these projects, we are currently collecting zero taxes on that. Correct. Zero. Yep. Um, so the first one, um, I'm assuming, is going to end up being in Ward 1 when it's annexed in is the soybean crushing plant. If they if they continue to move forward with their location up by the landfill, I, I, yeah, I'm making it an really assumption. Close. It'd either be one or two, um, yeah. depending on how those lines get drawn. Um, but obviously, it's a good project. It, it's value-added agriculture. Um, yeah. It gives an opportunity for the farmers that are around us to have maybe an easier market yeah. to get to, to sell their product. And I think that's always a positive thing. And um, you need to have some of that industry within the community, especially our farmers are all around us, right. you know, they're, 
they live in the city. They may live on the farm near Grand Forks, and and we've got some of the best soil here in the Red River Valley. And so, anytime you can combine the great job our farmers do with the an easy way to get their product to market, I think it's a positive for the community. Yep. And each one of these projects, again, I've been with the city for 17 years. It's, it's They're all different. They're all unique. They all have their own little, you know, uniqueness or twist to them. I don't want to say twist in a bad way, but but uh, there's no cookie cutter to any of these projects. And, and even, so, so advanced by the city council was a tax incentive. Now it's, again, not approving the tax incentive. It's you guys approving it to be heard by the other governing bodies. Is that correct? That's correct. So essentially anytime, uh, most of the time that we have some of these things is we, we want to get buy-in and have to get buy-in from the Grand Forks public schools or the school di- or the, the park district. And so a lot of the times, even with legislative stuff that you've seen, a lot of it is is a unified approach to a lot of the stuff within the state. And so these ta- these TIF items are the same thing where we work together. I was a part of a meeting uh, filled in for uh, Councilman Weber at, at the last one, and it's bringing all those people together, um, talking about the project, and hoping people understand why it's important as well as what the positives of it are as far as the tax base goes. Right, right. Yeah, This before this meeting on Monday, there's one other official meeting where it's pretty much, are we good at at least looking at it? Yep. Um, also on Monday, now you talk about complicated in levels of government, um, Memorial Village 2. So for those of you in Grand Forks, it is the parking lot that was across, that is across the street from Old Memorial Stadium. Um, I don't even know if it's used as a parking lot anymore. It's in pretty rough shape. It's been staging for the the reconstruction at uh, Old Memorial Stadium, which is Memorial Village 1. Yeah, correct. Basically, it's been staging for all the construction projects sure. that have been kind of going on in that area. Good and, point. The Pollard, yep. yeah, everything. So what they want to do there is a, is a multi-story, mixed use, but it, they have a donor waiting to donate money for a softball field. Absolutely. And so this incorporates the city. It incorporates the university, which incorporates the state, and it incorporates the alumni association. Yep. Um, that that one is a is a interesting, and I, I'll use the term complicated one from the standpoint of it's there's a lot of approvals that need to happen. There's a loan involved in it because they need some upfront money, but it'll be paid back. And at what percentage? Yeah, tell us what you know a little bit about that project. As you guys have moved it forward for discussion at the other entities, well, I think it. The number one thing I look at is it's a state parking lot. Um, right. There's zero property taxes being collected on that. Um, and with so many of these projects, we talk about them um, essentially like they're starting tomorrow. Um, but I oh, always I say it, it's it's like you take a 100-piece puzzle, you throw it on the table, and you grab one quarter. And, and that's really where we're at with a lot of these things now. We've put one piece down, and we're starting to kind of build that puzzle as we go. But the Memorial Village, too, um, again, we're collecting zero property tax revenue mm-hmm. on it. Um, that ownership of that piece of land uh, is going to go over to the Alumni Association, which isn't obviously a state entity. Right. Um, and then property taxes are going to start being collected on it, um, depending on how the, the TIF goes or right. what kind of agreement that everybody comes to with the property tax exemption. Um, one thing I always like to look at, and I think we saw that Monday night, is I like to ask myself, People get upset about some of the property tax sure. exemptions, and I, I completely understand that. Everybody mm-hmm. wants everybody to pay their fair share. But at times, a lot of these projects wouldn't go forward without that. And so that's some, right. sometimes something I'll ask the developer before the meeting even starts. Hey, if this doesn't go through, are you still going to be able to build this? And 
more often than not, the answer is no. Right. You know, we can't afford to do it based on several factors. And we all understand right now we're living in a really difficult time as far as inflation, um, the cost of goods Mm -hmm. and everything else. And so to still have a lot of these projects coming forward to have the conversation at least, um, I think it's important. I think it's important to add more housing. You're going to add more retail space uh, in that corner, that intersection, that area. Um, But at the at the same time, we also now have the opportunity to talk about a new softball complex for UND softball. Um, like you said, a two and a half million dollar yep. donor that's come forward and and uh, has put their money where their mouth is and want to see something positive happen there. And then on the flip side of things, I've I've said for a long time that if you look at youth sports, it's a bigger industry right now than the NFL is. It's crazy, and we all know that anybody that has young kids. They travel for soccer. They mm-hmm. travel for hockey. They travel for basketball. They travel for football. Well, those are hotel rooms every single night yep. on the weekends. Meals out. Those are restaurants. That's filling up with gas. That's stopping to get snacks at the gas station. It's shopping at Target. It's mm-hmm. going wherever um, to get the items that you need. And so this softball complex, while it'll say University of North Dakota on it, um, is also going to have the opportunity to host. Um, we just saw the state fast-pitch softball tournament, uh, Class A and Class B. It has the opportunity to host that every year. Uh, It has the opportunity to bring fast-pitch tournaments in. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, there isn't a great facilities for girls that play softball. Um, And so this gives them the opportunity to do that, and I think it'd be a positive step in the the right direction. We're looking at the indoor turf facility, which Mm -hmm. is probably another conversation in itself. But I think all these things, these quality of life things, come together and and would really help Grand Forks in a lot of different aspects. And it's kind of a chicken and the egg, right? All yeah. right, do, you build the facilities, right? You got you have a cost up there, and I totally understand that. Um, but you start getting these tournaments, right? And all of a sudden, do we have a couple more hotels pop up? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe not even brand new. Maybe maybe you know there's there's just turnover and stuff, right? So these so you get a couple more hotels, another restaurant. You know, pick pick the what whatever it is that that just comes with growth and and uh, you know these you mentioned those youth tournaments. What was it when we heard the from uh, Julie Rigg at the CVB? The Junior Grand Am brought in like the economic impact was four million dollars yep. or something like that. That was just that was a weekend of basketball. Yep, and, and that's what it is. I, I see it all the time. I travel for my son's sports, whether sure. that's racing, whether it's Zimba Midji last weekend for soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, we went and ate at a restaurant for lunch. I put some gas on at a gas station and came home. And it wasn't a tournament where I stayed the night, but we could have. Right. But we, instead, we left early in the morning on Saturday because we knew, hey, it's only a two-hour drive. Um, we don't need to stay in a hotel Friday night. But I can't tell you how many hotel rooms I've paid for youth sports um, in other communities. And so right. it, it's good to start having that conversation about Grand Forks because I think we have the facilities and we have – um, the city council, we have the park district, we have the people that are willing to to have those tough conversations to get some of those facilities. But I think at the end of the day, it's only going to benefit the community. It's going to benefit the citizens, the tax base, and everything that goes with it. So so you kind of touched on it. So let's just uh, mention that real quick. Uh, I sent you a list of things we're going to talk about, and this wasn't on the list, I don't think. Um, well, yeah, it was. But there's also, you guys have had a conversation. Now, you talk about you had a puzzle piece, and, and you know, with those tax incentive ones are just out of corner uh we're just looking at the puzzle box right now correct the indoor aquatic or new aquatics of course mm-hmm. in uh, new aquatics and indoor turf and court it's a 
big dollar figure up front, but in a few years when Hislop Pool closes, we won't have a competitive pool in town. Um, as, as a council member, you know, what are some of the conversations you're hearing or having regarding those potential two facilities? So I think the biggest thing that I see is the uh, – I think everybody understands that there's a need, or people that I've talked to understand that there's a need. Um, it's no secret we live in North Dakota. Right. The winters are long. Um, it seemed really long this year. Mm-hmm. We went from, I felt like, blizzards to 90. Yeah, um, I don't feel long. like we had a spring. Um, but with our climate and the weather that we have, you have to have opportunities for kids to participate in some type of activity throughout the winter. Um, we don't have those facilities right now. Right. It would be great to open the Alaris Center. But that comes at a steep cost because it's not built for that. That's, that's an event center um, that specific events are held at, and so it's difficult to do that. And frankly, they're, they're pretty busy right they now, are, too. They are, yeah, and that's yeah. great. That's what we want. And so, um, But you talk about the indoor turf facility, you talk about an aquatic center. Those are the facilities that are made for that and geared towards mm-hmm. that, being open year-round, being able to do things year-round, the getting them ready. They're going to be ready 24 seven for a lot of these events, whereas some of the other facilities that we have aren't, aren't made for that. And so I look at indoor turf, um, and aquatics as something that's really positive. The big thing that I see when I, I do a lot of reading, um, whether that's on social media or whatnot is people say, Oh, our, our property taxes are going towards it. Um, we haven't ever had that conversation. I think there's zero appetite to raise property taxes to fund this. And in fact, at one of those meetings, it was brought up specifically, no property taxes towards these facilities. Now, how to fund it, there was kind of kicked around, but it was mentioned yep. specifically no property taxes. Yeah, and I, I want people to understand that is there is zero appetite for, for property taxes. I know the public schools, they're... They've gone after, they got mm-hmm. New Valley Middle School, um, and so they've got some needs that they're trying to address. Uh, whereas this, there is zero appetite for indoor turf facility to have any type of property tax right. attached to it. I think the easiest thing to do is keep the sales tax where we're at, um, extend it out a certain amount of time, and use that sales tax proceed that we're already paying. It would not go right. up. It would not go up. It would just uh, take that and... Uh, take that money and funnel it to a different, mm-hmm. different, uh, different pot. We'll say, and to I think build that facility. It's important for people to know you just can't do that as a council. Correct. That yep. that does That's have to go. Vote. Even though the the sales tax will not go up, if you change the allocation of the sales tax, it still has to go to a city vote. Absolutely. And so I think it's important that we're going to have to have that plan ready to go. And um, there's no doubt in my mind with the park district and the city working together that we'll there'll be a solid plan put together and uh, we'll have to decide as a council and everybody else in between, if we want to push that to a vote. And uh, to me, like I said, I think it's only a positive. We, we have the facility then to host some of these tournaments, bring an additional revenue to the city. And and that's ultimately what what we're looking at. Okay. The last uh, city council related thing I want to touch on for, I want to touch. We learned more about Danny. Um, You guys uh, for better term ratified a policy, on Monday regarding citizen comment. Um, I think uh, council member Sandy um, said it pretty well that there's nothing wrong with having a conversation and, and, you know, is this working or not? Is this working or not? Uh, we'll say this citizen comments are still going to happen at city council meetings. 
just going to be done a little bit differently, um, speaking either specifically to a topic on the agenda or if you just want to talk something not on the agenda, you're at the end. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with constantly looking at things. Uh, your point of view on this, because I've been at those council meetings. Uh, they, they can go dark in a hurry sometimes um, in, in recent year and a half. Um, what do you think? Um, see, I was torn on it a lot. Sure. Um, I understood everybody's kind of perspective. I understood uh, Miss Osowski's and the fact that, hey, you know what? We did just change them. Right. Um, so I understand that. So I, I always think, did we give it a fair shake at where we are at? Um, I'm not a fan of changing things just to change them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I looked at that, but then I also looked at um, some of the other aspects that uh, Dana brought up and where things are at. And so ultimately it passed. Um, I think we should always be looking at changing things. I don't yeah. think we should do things just to do them because that's how we've always done them. Right. Uh, I feel like nothing gets done that way. I know. And so I'm good with looking at it and if another year from now goes by and i don't think it's working i'll be the first one to bring it up and say sure. hey, you know what i want to i want to make this change or that change or, or go back Listen. or go back to where we it were. it was so Absolutely. much better the way before yep. right and so i think that's how you learn and um you know i i heard from a few people that said hey we're good with it what you're doing um i heard mm-hmm. from a few people saying hey we don't like it we think it should stay the same and so yeah it's one of those judgment calls i i've got I'm lucky to know a lot of people in my ward, which is really nice. And so I can call them and have that conversation offline and say, hey, what are your thoughts? Sure. Um, And so that really helps me in a lot of my decision making, Um, even on things that I don't agree with personally. Right. If it's the things that people want in my ward, I'm more than happy to go with it. Because, you know, at the the end of the day, they're the one that put me in that position to make a decision for Mm -hmm. them. And so... um, that's what I've always said is I want to know what my ward's saying. It, uh, to that note, uh, you, you mentioned you have, for better term, uh, you know, just someone you can confide in, right? Just mm-hmm. like, hey, w- w- how do you feel about this? Just something to bounce off of. Um, is that something you sought out or did that just kind of naturally happen? Um, I think for me, it's like I grew up on North, the North End of sure. Grand Forks. And so I've, over my years, um, you know, one of my best friends, his parents live in my ward, you right. know, and so... I'm not afraid to call them and ask them their opinions on things. I've got mm-hmm. other people in my ward, whether it's my neighbor that uh, is out for a walk one evening, I'll stop and, and bug him. And to me, it's just asking the question. And that, right. for the most part, gives me a pretty level, a good level of understanding of where everybody's at and kind of what they're thinking. And um, I think that's helped me make a lot of those decisions yeah. on, no, it's- from, from day one to where we are now. Because that's, uh, uh, that's one thing that I don't, envy you you guys as council members you um you, you know i can just imagine you from day one you probably had an idea of what it was going to be like to be on city council and what it is now and in term two is is probably not the same no right? not at all no it's uh <laughs> it's been interesting it's been i've enjoyed it um i think it's a service to the community and i've always said like i i'm not the smartest guy um i can't tell you everything about engineering i sure. can't tell you everything about how the water works Um, But what I do think I have is I've got a lot of common sense. And uh, prime example, the engineering said we should put a 10-foot sidewalk uh, in front of somebody's house, you know, because that's the side that the bridge goes over on University Avenue. Well, my common sense tells me that somebody's losing five feet of their yard then. Sure. And common sense tells me that there's a park across the street. I always see people walking across the park. 
I never see people on the other side of the sidewalk. So why would we not put that 10 foot sidewalk on the, by other the, side park of the street where everybody's watching? Sure. I remember that debate. Yeah. You know, and so for me, that's, that's where my common sense comes in, right? Is I get what the numbers say. I get what the data mm-hmm. says. I get what the engineering says. Um, but I also understand what the normal everyday person that's out walking and what I've seen with my own eyes. Sure. Right. And to me, that's what made sense. And, and I or will just leave it the way it was, you and, know, cause it doesn't seem to be an issue right now. And I will say this as a staff member for the city, right? I'll, I'll get a phone call every once in a while and it's the city did this or the city did that. And it, and I'll, I'll preface, you know, trying to figure out what it is. Was it the city? Maybe, right. you know, yeah, maybe, maybe it wasn't. Yep. Um, but if it was, I will say this, I'll be like, um, they, did it this way for X, Y, Z reason. I don't know, but I'll say, but I'm not standing there and you are. Right. Yep. So how about I have a conversation? Let's get an engineer out there to take, or whatever it is, an inspector, whatever, to go take a look. And a lot of our engineers and inspectors are, are the same way. Yep. They're just like, oh, the map says this. Sure. Oh, we get there. Oh, you know, that That doesn't quite work. No. Nope. Yeah, map, map didn't read it that way. Thanks for telling us. No, absolutely. <laughs> well, and it's all the little things, right? So... Um, I had a, somebody in my ward, a chunk of concrete got taken out of their little sidewalk that goes up to University Avenue sure. by a plow, right? Yeah, They're plowing. Happens. It happens all yep. the time. And they called, and literally within a couple of days, they were out repairing the concrete. And they're like, he's the nicest guy. He did a great job. He took his time. Like, it looks great. And so those are the things that I go back and look at. Like, it seems so small to maybe some of us, right? Right. But at the end of the day it's important to somebody within the community. And so if we can get it fixed, get it done right, that's what we should be striving to do. Because most of the time, the big things, people, they're busy with their kids, they're busy with their right. lives. Um, it's those little things that can can make a big impact on somebody within the community. So those are the things that we really need to or, focus or, on and get done. Or you're like me, and you know it was, it was a bad pothole spring. It happens, mm-hmm. again, happens. Yep. And I'll drive over a pothole and I'll be like, ah, I, I gotta, I gotta report when I get yep. to work. I'm gonna, I'm gonna report that, and then I do that three days in a row before I, because <laughs> again, I gotta get my kids over here. I gotta yep. get my kids over here, and while I'm doing that, and it's an early pickup today, or it's not yep. an early release today, and you're going through all that. It, it took me three days to report the pothole, and at that point on the third day, it, someone else had reported it, and it was, <laughs> was taken yeah. care of. Well, and that's the thing. We all, I drive on the same roads as everybody else does. Yeah. you know, um, and probably drive a lot more. Um, you probably drive more than most of us. I, I right? drive a lot. And so like I, when people talk about frustration with potholes, I 100% get it. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. I hate them. Um, they're, they could be tough on vehicles. I get it. Um, and so what can we do to alleviate some of those issues? And I think really over from when I first began, I felt like that's all I talked about was potholes. Sure. The city sales tax came through, and we're seeing a ton of work being done on our roads within the community. Is there still yep. bad ones? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. 32nd Avenue South, there's a plan that came back 170%, I think, or maybe the, more. Uh, the estimate was $2 million and it came in at like four point two. Right. You know, it was crazy. So, and we still push to get that going forward, right? Yeah. Get 32nd Avenue South done. We still push to have that done, but the DOT said, no, we're not, we're not going to. We're not going to overspend on that. And so um, they're putting it back out to bid. They came up with a different plan. Um, yeah. We're all trying to get those projects done. I, I always say this, that every spring there's a worst road in town. Absolutely. The the best thing that's happened since that sales tax passed is that worst road keeps changing. Um, yep. I remember one spring, it was University Avenue. You yep. can barely drive down it. Terrible. We got to fix That's not the worst road in town anymore. Nope. It was Cherry Street. Worst road in town. Got to fix. It's not the worst road. This yep. year it's 32nd. Yep. 
And, and you know what? And next spring, there's going to be another road that's going to deteriorate. We hope yeah. it's not 32nd. We can get that at least Absolutely. overlaid. But there's always a worse road in town. Yep. No, and, and they're going to continue working hard. They're going to get it done. Yeah. Um, it's tough with our weather, right? We, like I said, we went from winter to summer. Um, yeah, in about three weeks. And you can't, you can't do patching when it's cold out uh, right. because it doesn't stick in there. It, it just pops right back out. And so you have to wait for that weather. you got to wait for some of that moisture to get out of there. You have to wait for the frost to get out. And so we wanted it all done yesterday as well. Um, but obviously things take time, and yeah. we'll continue to plug away and, and get things done. We'll get it done. All right. So Danny Weigel, um, for those of you that are, are watching this, may say, hey, I recognize that guy. Where have I seen him before? It's because you've been to a basketball game. Um, so you're, you're, a, you're an official, a uh, basketball official. At, at what level do you ref? So I work everything from high school varsity stuff to Division One college basketball. How did you get into that? So for me, um, we talked about the Grand Am, right? Junior Grand yeah. Am. I actually used to run the clock for my old gym teacher. Oh, okay. Because um, he was on the Fast Break League, and they put on that tournament. And so I used to run the clock and do the scores and the timing and everything along those lines. And then one day I met a gentleman that was uh, the scheduler for the Grand Forks uh, Officials Association. Mm-hmm. Talked to him, and I've always loved sports. I played high school football, um, wanted to play college football. A couple shoulder surgeries kind of took me out of that running. Sure. And so it, it was a way for me to stay involved in something. Um, yeah. I, I love sports. I'll throw on ESPN in the morning when I'm getting ready for work, and I love just love every type of sport. And so for me, basketball was something that I wasn't good at because I didn't get to play a lot because I was mm-hmm. busy having shoulder surgeries every other <laughs> offseason. And so I didn't get that chance to play, um, but I still love watching it, still love being involved in um, high school athletics. And so I started refereeing, and I started just like anybody else would be, um, whether it was third, fourth grade basketball games. Sure. Um, yeah. Worked my way up to the seventh, eighth grade middle school games. And then um, by the time I turned 18, um, I think it was, I think I just turned 19 that basketball season, I got to work my first varsity game down oh, in Mayville. Okay. So um, just started there and continued working games. and. Uh, as the years have gone on, obviously uh, there's a huge shortage of sports officials mm-hmm. um, for some obvious reason and maybe some not obvious reasons, but I've just continued to work and I've gone to camps and been fortunate enough to be picked up by some college assigners to go work some games and then trying to learn a whole set of different rules. That, that's always interesting as well. Sure, they're always changing rules on you. When you mentioned um, you, you, everything from high school to Division One basketball, when it comes to Division One, are you tied to a league? Or could you be? Could you get a phone call and do a Big Ten game? Could you? Yeah. It? So essentially, um, so I work on the women's side in college. Sure. And so the Division Two assigner also signs two Division Three conferences in the area: the Upper okay. Midwest, North mm-hmm. Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Iowa. Um, on the on the college side, a lot of them are consortiums, and so you may have one assigner that assigns the Summit League, which is the UNDs, NDSUs, right. Dakota right. schools. But also, she may have the Big Ten or Big 12 um, or Horizon or Missouri Valley. Mm -hmm. So they may have multiple conferences. So typically, you have your your big top-tier conferences, whether it's your Big Ten, Big 12, and then they'll have the mid-major conferences in there as well. And then if you go out to the south, you might have the SEC and the Southland Conference under another assigner. And so typically, there's a group of assigners at the Division I level, maybe five of them throughout the country that, that handle all the 
Division one conferences. No, it's pretty neat. Now, uh, I, I, I'm a sports guy as well. Yep. Um, I, I'm not an official. I do, I do the broadcast side to help out. But I, I, I'm going to ask you this because it's very, very much a thing on the broadcasting side. Um, at a high school level, in, in any sport, no matter, no matter how great the team is, the game is just generally slower than it is the college game. Absolutely. And, and the pros faster than yep. college. But um, when doing a high school game, a high school game is almost harder from a broadcast standpoint because there's less structure. Yep. You get to a college game and everyone's in where they're supposed to be at a, at a refing level. Is it easier or harder to ref one of the two for, for, along those lines? I, I would go work a Division One college basketball game, and that is a hundred times easier than going down to work an eighth grade right girls basketball game or boys basketball game. It's just like you said. The higher you go, the better the athletes are, right? And right. so they know their jobs, they know their assignments, and they don't miss those as much. Um, their basketball IQ or sports IQ is just so much greater at the college sure. level and um, than they're in different, you know, high school or middle school. And so it's easier. You know exactly when your media timeouts are going to be. Um, yeah. There's rules for them. They use them every single week. You play 30, you know, 35 games yep. a year in a college basketball season. And so it's just super easy. Um, and as those athletes get bigger, they get faster, they get stronger, but they're also more athletic as well. And so it's more obvious when a foul is a foul. Sure. Um, whereas kid just doesn't trip. Yeah. And, yeah. You could. <laughs> and that's the thing, like in high school athletics, you could have, um, say a Thompson high school, which has been a perennial powerhouse yeah. in class B playing a school that is much smaller and they've got all juniors on the Thompson squad, mm-hmm. juniors, seniors. Well, then you go play another school and they've got an eighth grader starting as their point guard. Right. Well, that eighth grader we know isn't as strong as that junior or senior is. And so it's much harder to officiate at that level. And, and same at the middle school. Every now and then I'll work a middle school game, right? And you have the parents screaming at you that there's a travel, and you're like, well, they're, they're always they're, traveling. They're all traveling. If we called every travel, we'd be here for the next three hours. That's right. It's eighth um, grade basketball. And it's, you know, sometimes we don't understand that that's the development stage, right? right. We want them to get playing time. We want them to develop um, develop those core skills, and, and that's what we're there for. And yeah. so sometimes not I, everybody understands that. I, I was curious that I had the opportunity to work the uh, NCAA Hockey Regional. And again, so that's that's college hockey, but it's, you know, you're down to eight teams left, right? Yeah. Really good play. And that was easier to do than the first quarterfinal of the state high school hockey tournament. Yeah. Um, it was because to that point, as you run into um, some of those teams that make that make the state hockey tournament at a quarterfinal level you know they they came out they finished top four in their region um because they have two good players right and those two players if they weren't on the ice it was chaos oh yeah (laughs) yeah no and that that's what what it is you know in college i forget what the statistic is but high school to college athletics is such a small percentage whether it's at the division one division two or division three or nai level it's or junior college level Mm -hmm. there's it's such a small percentage of athletes from high school go on to play uh, post high school. And so you're getting your best athletes and you're putting them on the floor or the court or the hockey rink or the football field. And it's just a much easier game to, to referee. And um, I enjoy all levels. I really do. It's earlier this year. I worked a game where I officiated the girl in high school and then I officiated her in college. Oh, really? And now she's an assistant coach. Oh, that's fun. And so 
one, it tells me I'm getting older right. and I've probably been officiating too long or getting to that point. But two, it's kind of cool to see, you know, them progress from that high school player to that college player to that, uh, to that college coach now. So yeah, I run into it now when I cover games, I'm just like, Oh, that name's so, so oh, I know his dad. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> or I went to college with his dad. Yeah. Right? So that's kind of Absolutely. fun. Uh, well, last thing here. Um, BMX. Yep. Uh, so we have the, I, I'm still calling it the new track, uh, here, here in Grand Forks. Um, the the Hugo's Raceway. You're heavily involved in the BMX. Just talk about your your connection to to BMX. Yeah. So like any um, any dad that gets involved with one of their kids' sports, we went out and tried it out. I raced when I was a kid, from nine ten years old till high school football started. Right, and that kind of took over life at that point. And so I was involved with it for five years um, as a kid. I raced. I loved it. Um, I love racing. Uh, mm-hmm. I love NASCAR. I love the world of all. I love all that stuff. And so um, my son went out there on his Ninja Turtle bike one day um, at a sanctioned event and um, loved it. And so we, you know, like any good dad, I thought maybe I could make the bike faster. And so we got a different bike and sure. probably had more fun tweaking on the bike than he maybe had riding it at the time. And so built a new bike and um, got involved and pretty soon I you know was just looking at ways how can we improve what we have because it is such a good we see so many stick and ball sports sure um, and yeah. team sports which are super mm-hmm. important for development and becoming a good person yep. um, but at times we're going to fight through things as individuals mm-hmm. and so having the ability to do an individual sport to be able to work through some of those issues and understand yep. that Learn how to lose? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what you do out there as an individual, that's like life, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't apply yourself, you don't work super hard at something, you're not going to get the results that you want. And so um, it's a great individual sport that you depend on yourself, um, but it also has that family aspect of everybody's there to help everybody. Sure. We want everybody to get better. So I got involved. Um, we were able to get a new facility built um, just south of the Alaris mm-hmm. Center. Um it's been fantastic. We've had a lot of great partners that have helped us get to this point. And then at the same time, our numbers are continuing to grow. And oh, so, uh, you know, our first night out this year, we had over 80 riders. Um, and that's ages two through 30. Um, we had Miss Kitty. She travels the Midwest. She's in her 70s. She actually raced at our track one year. Really? And so it, it's truly BMX is a sport that any age level, uh, anybody from two to to 70 we've had racing and so it's just a great great sport um and like i told you i think in a couple weekends we're heading off to rockford illinois for a national race and we're going to be all over the place that's kind of what we do in our summers and go race a bunch and 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 good 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 luck to you i know you uh worked to put a bid packet together talked about it council a little bit but working to um get a national race here in grand forks yeah so I've had the opportunity over the last couple of years to travel from everywhere from Vancouver to race to Arizona, Florida, um, North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Um, we've kind of been everywhere to race. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the one thing that BMX, it's an all-volunteer organization. So it's just a bunch of moms and dads that... Uh, right. You know, Every track you go to is, yeah, is that's being run all, that way. That's, it's yep. all that way. Um, and so we've looked at it and said, Hey, you know, our facility is just as nice as any of these other facilities out there that are hosting national races. There's no reason that we can't bring 800 riders to ground Forks. Right. Um, we obviously see it as a positive for the community, whether it's filling hotel rooms for a weekend, 
Uh, people eating at restaurants, exactly. everything else, kind of what we talked about with that quality of life aspect mm-hmm. of these new facilities. And so that's something that we've put together. Um, we've sent it off to USA BMX and they're going to take a look at it and kind of see, see what happens, see what happens. But I'm optimistic and I think it'll be good. It'd be good, great, good for our community, be good for our riders to be able to um, sleep in their own bed, race the national here and and kind of see what happens from there. And I think there is there is something too um, as you go after national things. You may not get it that first time, mm-hmm. but at least you get on their radar. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. You know, whether you're going after a conference, you're going after a race, you're going after yep. a tournament. It may take a couple tries at it. Yep. But then eventually, it, not so much you wear them down, but they're like, oh, I've heard of that community. I've reviewed this track before, and and. Yeah, hopefully get there. And really, we've done things the right way, right? So we've brought in a national track builder. When we first built that Mm -hmm. facility, we brought in Lance from Oregon. He he travels around. That's what he does for a living. Sure. And so everything was done the right way. We wanted to do that right away amongst all our all of our volunteers to to have a facility that could host a larger Mm -hmm. event like that. And um, we're going to host our state qualifier race here on the twenty third through the twenty fifth. And we're, we'll bring riders in from Minnesota, South Dakota, Bismarck. Um, we'll have a couple hundred riders that converge on Grand Forks, and we'll race Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and um, vice versa. We'll go to Bismarck. We'll go to Aberdeen. Sure. We'll travel around all their tracks and support their facilities. And um, it's it's really just a big, giant family. And uh, we, I think the other day we had 15 riders that were under the age of five. Wow. And so 15 on their little strider bikes, mm-hmm. uh, using their feet to go down the track. And um, so it's been really good. And it's a great, great sport, cheap sport for them to get into, especially with the little ones if mm-hmm. they want to be involved. Um, so overall, it's really good. And I probably spend entirely too much time there throughout the summer. <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's it okay. Is. Yeah. No, I no. love it. It's kind of, I, I, I compare it to officiating, right? Um, the money, sure, I get paid for it. Sure. But I always tell right. people it's a hobby I happen to enjoy you know, uh, or happen to get paid for. And so it's just something it's my, if I, if I'm dealing with something stressful, if I can go ref a basketball game yeah, or go work Focus at the on track, something else. do something yeah. else. I love doing that. And that's kind of, kind of what I, I, drives me. A I totally bit. get it. Uh, um, uh, so like I, I said, I, I do some broad help with broadcast run camera and stuff. Um, and I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. Um, I've been asked to do more of it. And I've told them, I go, I don't want this to turn into a job. Right. Because once it turns into yep. a job, it's not fun anymore. And Absolutely. I want to keep it fun. And the, the director comes up and he goes, I totally get it. Yep. Totally no, get it. And that, that's, you know, that's what everybody needs is those hobbies oh, to I know. get away from the normal day-to-day. Um, probably a little more busy than most with, you know, mm-hmm. full-time job and, and a son yeah. and city council. Oh, and life in know, general, Life right? in general. Yeah. And so for me... Um, being able to be heavily involved into something that he thoroughly enjoys is uh, no, that's that's great. That's great. That's I love uh, it. Danny. Thank you. This Absolutely. is our first Thanks podcast. Uh, I think we'll do another one eventually. But hey, I think, I think this one's good. A couple enough. weeks off, right? You get a, you then, get a few weeks off, and the next people get to come in. And yep, we got everything worked out, so we won't have a guinea pig. So. But in the world of media, it's going to spread. Danny can answer questions, so that means you get asked back. I'll be back. <laughs> Anytime. All right. All right. Thanks, Danny. Uh, and thank you for watching our first uh, City Chatter podcast uh, with Danny Weigel, Council Member Ward 1. Uh, if you need any questions about anything about the city, visit our website, grandforksgov.com. Or if you just want to talk to me, give us a call at 311, and we can answer all your questions. First show is in the books. We'll see you in a couple of weeks for show two.